Thank you for joining me. This is the Soul Flow Studios Music Hour. I had the chance to sit down with Red Necromancer this week. This is the first interview podcast that I've gotten to do, and I was really satisfied. I, I think that Red Necromancer did a great job. Kevin and Mal have great stories, and uh, we had a lot of fun here. And uh, yeah, I'm really happy that you guys are here to join us and listen in. And I hope you enjoy it. I had a really good time. So check it out. Stay tuned. All right. Well, here we are, SoulFlow Studios. It is July 16th, 2019. I'm with Red Necromancer, which is Kevin Sharp and Malachi McElroy. Howdy. And uh, I am just like really insanely honored that you guys are here for the first podcast i mean like it's oh stop no seriously it's i've been listening to your music honored to have us anywhere no no if people listen to what you guys are saying and what you're playing and and what you're conveying i know i'm using all the same uh, alliteration here but it uh it's real i mean i've been feeling it i've been listening to it i was telling mal earlier and like there's some songs that just like hit me in the right spot at the right time and it's and it's uh it's really incredible. So right thank you. Yeah, yeah. Oh cheek alley. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm just excited happy to for, be on a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and now I'm on a podcast. Here you are. The first episode Ooh, too. First one. Yeah. Well, the point of this podcast is for me to get to know you guys better because we've known each other for a while. And yeah. Kevin, I've known you for over 10 years yeah, now. Yeah, it's a long time. And uh, I've seen you around a lot, Mal, just from hanging in New Paltz and at I, Snugs and all that. I certainly recognized you when you came into <laughs> my house to play drums for my roommates. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, the point is here, let's have this conversation and uh, let's talk about how we could change the world with our music, right? That kind of Ooh. thing. Whoa. Um, so uh, I guess let's start with Mal because I know the least about you. Oh, man. I'm Did a you, mystery. You grew up or in an Kingston? Enigma. Oh, no. I grew up all over the place. I, uh, I was born in Newburgh. Okay. And then we moved up uh, way upstate to uh, Canton. Okay. New York. Yeah, yeah. That's a young lad. Like near Potsdam? Or? Oh, yeah. It's yeah, uh, yeah. St. Lawrence University, I believe, yeah, yeah, is yeah. in okay. uh, Canton. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's probably where I got... What is that? Uh, yeah, but then I moved down to North Carolina, Charlotte, as ah, a young man. I was cool. about five years old. Wow. Lived there for three years. Then we moved to West Virginia. Logan, West Virginia. It's, uh, it's an interesting little town. Uh, yeah, I've never been there. We lived there for about three years, and then we moved to New Paltz. And uh, there I lived oh, until right. uh, about 2006, 2007, somewhere in there. Okay. Yeah. And uh, then I moved to Socrates for a bit, and then I moved to Kingston. Wow. We've gotten to the Kingston part of the story. Yeah, and here that's we where are. <laughs> I've been residing for the last three years in change. All right, cool. So what, what was it that like had you guys hopping around so much? I think my parents just like to move instead of go on vacation. That's cool. <laughs> it's a lot of work, but... Yeah, I, I mean, don't know. Like, They're kind of strange birds. But, I uh, guess if you're going to... killer thing? Or like <laughs> my dad might be a serial killer. I'm not like sure. left behind somewhere. If he is, he's very neat. Yeah, well, you gotta be if you're gonna <laughs> if you're gonna do that, live live a double life here. But um, so that's cool. I guess I just assume military or something, just because uh, that's normally why people move around so much. But oh, he's an occupational therapist. Okay, which is like a uh, it's very similar to a physical therapist, uh-huh. except it involves like uh, fine motor skills as opposed to gross motor Some skills. Some more like writing. Yeah, things that will get you back to work. Yeah, yeah. So literally occupational therapy. Let's get that That's back. it. I think cool. that's where the name comes from. And then he was also occupying many different positions throughout the States. Oh, you know, you know, you're coming up in the world looking for promotions. You know, sometimes you just move like 
a crazy distance just to get more money. Yeah. Well, that's good. Some like Dust Bowl stuff right there. So your father's Irish, right? That's what I've. Oh no. Oh my God! I've got all my information wrong. I, mean, I thought that we're. Uh, I mean, we're all like of Irish ancestry, but uh, both my parents were born in America. Oh, okay. All right. My all right. uh, my mother's grandparents were. Well, her father was born in Ireland. Mm-hmm. But, cool. Uh, that that's about as close as we get. All right. <laughs> how many relatives? I mean, uh, how many siblings do you have? Ooh, I have four siblings. Four siblings. Yeah. Wow. So we are very. We seem like we're. From Ireland, Jeez. okay, they made a, lot. <laughs> a uh, big Irish family. It's like the Catholic no condom thing, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have like three three sisters and one brother. Okay, and where are you at in the? In I the uh, I rest smack dab in the middle. I All have right. two younger twin sisters, then I have an older brother and an older sister. Cool. Are they all musical at all, or is anybody else musical in your family? Uh, yeah. My sister is a. Uh, she she's very talented. She sings amazingly and uh has every single word of the Slim Shady LP memorized. Whoa. Yeah, that's impressive. She spits fire. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> and my other sister, she she plays the Irish whistle. All right. And uh the Boran, which is a a traditional Irish drum that yeah, you beat yeah. with a mallet. Mm-hmm. Huh. Cool. That's cool. That's a different kind of rhythm, right? Like oh the, yeah, yeah. It's that, that like, that's Fiona that plays the whistle and the drum. That's it. Uh, cool. So when did you start playing banjo or guitar? Like, how did you start getting into music? Well, my my dad and my mom bought me my first guitar when I was nine, and it uh, didn't get a lot of use because I had tiny little hands. <laughs> um, I probably started playing more seriously throughout middle school and high school. Um. When I joined my first band, we were ska punk. It was pretty cool at the time. Nice. Uh, and then I, that was all guitar or bass, actually, back in the day that I played in the band because the other guy had a nicer guitar, so I got to play bass. Cool. So what was the name of that band? That was called Gimmick. Gimmick. And when did you start that band? Like, what year would you say? Oh, what year? Um, I would say it started, let's see. That was still in the 90s, I suppose, because okay. maybe like 99, like the end of middle school. Cool. Yeah. And so where were you during that time? That was New Paltz. Oh, you were in New Paltz. Oh, right, yeah. Cool. Nice. All right. So what were like the kids listening to then in New Paltz in like 98, 99? What was like Oh, there was the a, trend? Lot of, a lot of corn going on. Uh, I feel like Limp Biscuit was just getting big. Okay. Um. That whole new metal scene, really. Uh, mm. I was a fan of Sublime myself. I thought that, you know, really yeah, grabbed yeah. me. I was listening to a lot of punk rock, but most of that was, you know, a couple of years older. Yeah, yeah. Your cool. dookies and whatnot. Uh-huh. Definitely. Nice. Well, um, I have like a million questions. I could keep going. I could tell you how I, why I started playing the banjo. Yeah, yeah. Story. Let's do that. Like, how did you start playing the banjo? Well, there was this girl... When I was 20 years old, who I was fond of, who played fiddle. So I told her that I was learning how to play the banjo. So like the next day I went out and bought a banjo. <laughs> and that's that's how I started down this journey. Wow. And when was that? How long ago? Oh, uh, so I was 20. That was like 13 years ago. Cool. Yeah. Nice. And that's your now it's your instrument of choice? Like you prefer banjo um i don't know i really like playing guitar i go back and forth depending on my mood which i prefer cool but yeah i play a lot of banjo and how did you like what, what was your uh how were you drawn to it like as far as technique wise like i know there's like claw hammer right is a yeah i started i started with the scrug style and uh which is what i actually don't it's really like know a three finger thing. picking style that was popularized by earl scruggs okay in the, Blue Mountain Boys, Bill Monroe's band. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very syncopated and very fast. You play a lot of arpeggios, like going over and over again. Cool. Um, and that was on five string banjo too. Yes. Or? Cool. It didn't it, really grab me the same way. Is that speaking of Bonnie and Clyde, the podcast we've been listening to? Is that Foggy Foggy Mountain Breakdown? Oh yeah, that's that, that's Bill Monroe okay, and the Blue yeah, Mountain Boys. Scrub style, right? Oh, that might be. 
I'd have to check. That might be Flat and Scruggs, but I believe. Oh no, I think it is Flat and Scruggs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But that. Yeah, okay. That's uh, it's definitely the Scruggs style. Nice. Um. But yeah, I it didn't really grab me. Um. Immediately, I didn't really play as much through my first few years. Then I found Clawhammer banjo, which is a much more like looser rhythm. It's more of an organic feel, and uh, it just started to click everything, and I fell in love. Cool. So that's awesome. That's like kind of leads to the next question, which is like, when did you, I mean, because you've been playing music now for over 20 years and like, when did you, I don't know, have an experience first where you were like, first you fell in love with music and then you had the experience where you're like, music has been, or have you had those, have you had those experiences where you know, I had that as a kid, uh, seeing my brother's elementary school band playing up on stage, which was probably total crap at that time, but it did something to me that like affected me and was like, I need to play music. And I was probably four or five years old and it hit me like that. So I don't know. I'm just curious if you had an experience like that, like as a kid. Um, like profound. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think it, my love affair with music started early on in my childhood. Like my, uh, my dad and all his brothers, like have always played a lot of Irish folk music. Cool. And like, we'd go to festivals and I'd see all the bands and it awesome. just seemed so, so fun. Yeah. Um, I mean, then I got a little older and like, yeah, I would probably say around like 94, 95, I was still a little kid, but it's like starting to like see like rock and roll yeah and like yeah. you know like nirvana and like smashing pumpkins i was like those guys are so cool <laughs> i need to be in a band yeah yeah and cool. that's kind of how that went yeah <laughs> and then did you ever hit a point where you like getting older maybe like breaking up or dealing with like death in the family or something like that uh, or friends or whatever going through experiences and and you kind of like find music you know in uh or you figure out that music has been there like consistently throughout your life. Have you had that experience also? Oh, definitely. Like it's, I would say it's certainly an emotional crutch through anything. Yeah. Like even when you're ha- I'm happy, it's like, oh, I just want to play music about it. When I'm sad, it's like, I feel like it's well a lot harder music. to write songs when you're happy. I agree with that. Yeah. It's still fun to play, but I feel like the writing always comes when you're miserable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. So but it's like uh, a struggle as a musician is to just like be perpetually uh, miserable. So I think you what you well, I think the key is to just be prolific while you're miserable. Yeah, if you right. write enough, in a, if you're miserable for a short period of time, but you write enough, mm-hmm. then you don't have to be miserable all the time. <laughs> if you write really slow, then yeah, you need to be miserable often. I think yeah. <laughs> just be miserable sometimes is the advice. That exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what, but when you are miserable, make the be- you know make it count. Definitely. Get some stuff done. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break and be right back. So let's get to Kevin now. I mean, (laughs) I know Kevin as the drummer from Tiger Piss. And uh, he was always a crazy guy, like killing it on the drums, hitting harder than anything I've ever seen before. And somehow able to, to get wasted but com- totally hold it down like I think some all the time dis- lara would maybe disagree <laughs> lara <with> might <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but fine, i guess like fine line you she know? you know ratio wise she yeah. has way more experience with seeing you yeah, 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 than yeah, i do yeah, yeah. but uh but yeah so where are you from you're from i'm from I don't get this wrong. I grew up okay in cool yeah. I got all the wrong information for it i don't have uh as interesting as a background i haven't been as many places as mal you know well, no, mostly, I mean, mostly the Hudson Valley. Ellenville is a pretty interesting place. <laughs> it is. It certainly is. Certainly yeah, no, nah, I mean, every time place. I've gone through there, it's <laughs> yeah. crazy. Um, <laughs> so, like, what got you into music? Um, I mean, just listening to stuff as, as a young kid, I think, you know, I started on drums and obviously played that for most of my life. Um, the Guns N' Roses Welcome to the Jungle video, the uh, Black Tama kit with those like shiny Zildjian symbols uh-huh. in that video, I was just like, I need to. I mean, that's <laughs> what like inspired me to start playing drums. Awesome! Like, what is this madness? You yeah, know? yeah, that's cool. And so, uh, so when was that? Like, I think that was in 1986, right? 
I'm wow. an old fucker. Yeah. I was well, born a year before that. Yeah. There you I go. was born that year. I mean, that yeah, I was like 13, 14, right around then. So, yeah. But that's awesome. See, so, like, you have this sort of, like, uh, generational knowledge that we don't have just because uh, you're in... Our, yeah, because you I, know yeah, yeah, you're absolutely. in our friend group, but you but you still have like all this life that you've lived. And to me, I mean, <laughs> I I never I never even perceived you as being uh, 13 years older than me. Yeah, I mean, I remember vividly thinking at 13 years old, I'm way too old to start playing drums now. Like wow. people have been playing since four, since they're four or five years old. Like <laughs> I'm 13, I can't. It's just way too late. To, you know, which wow. shows you how ridiculous this is. You know, you can be 53. And you're still going to live another 30 years. You can get pretty good at something, whatever it is you want to do, totally. in 30 years. You know, like there's never really, <laughs> never too late to start. But it is funny yeah. how you can convince yourself to not do what you want to do, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's really easy. Yeah. And um, so how did you go about like getting your first drum set? Like, I got a, like the, the Sears, I think it was a Blackhawk, whatever the, the Sears catalog model was. It was like 275 bucks, no cymbals, no stands. Uh-huh. And I got that for Christmas one year. I think like my 14th or 15th birthday. Cool. So it was just the shells, the snare. It just the shells, snare, exactly. Three toms. Yeah. And I was like terrible forever. I don't. I didn't really grasp the concept of drums for really, you know. Like we started a little band in a friend's basement, and we you know we had songs when we played shows, but I just kind of like wrote. You know, I never took lessons or anything. Uh-huh. I, I should have at least to just like point me in the right direction. Because <laughs> those first few years, it's like looking back, like what are you doing? You know. Well, did you play along with anything like any records? We or didn't. Anything? No, we didn't really do covers or whatever. I didn't have a hi hat for the longest time. I was, you know, like, <laughs> I was. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard looking back. So. Yeah, yeah. Wow, though, that's that's cool. I, I don't know. That's rugged. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely. how every cool band starts is like a bunch of poor kids in a basement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, like they Basically. don't know what they're doing. Totally. Yeah, I mean, I don't think any of those bands ever evolved into the cool band phase, but you know, it's all so, part of the process. Uh, what was music like in Ellenville? Like, what kind of stuff were you guys getting? Like, we were met. I was a metal kid. Like, I, if you want the progression, like the Guns N' Roses, that album like fucking changed my but life. But was that you know? like television or radio? Or that like... was that was television. Yeah, I, MTV. Yeah. I can remember the exact moment. It was like eight o'clock at night mm-hmm. that that Welcome to the Jungle video premiered, and it uh-huh. was just like, what the hell is this? You yeah, know? yeah. And from that, you go on to their like third videos, like maybe nine months later their bass player is wearing a Slayer shirt mm-hmm. in the video for uh, Paradise City. Okay. So then I think that led is, led me to go buy South Heaven, you know, start listening to Slayer, and then, you and know, you, you go to see Slayer. Had you not heard Slayer before no, that? No, or? certainly not. Wow, no. so you just went and bought the record, like, exactly, just, yeah. uh, just from seeing the T-shirt? Exactly. I mean, and it's Slayer. So, like, there were, like, rock magazines. Our library in Ellenville High School had, like, Circus Magazine and Metal, whatever, you know, Metal Edge, and they would, you know. And it was, like, up to date? Like, they would get yeah, the Yeah, pretty close. Yeah. Wow. So you'd, like, awesome. read articles about Slayer and have to try to imagine, you know, what it was. What and the music sounded listen, like. listen to the album for the wow. rest of Wow, that's so different than what it's like now. I mean. Oh, absolutely. You can yeah. literally pull anything, even no-name people like me, you can pull up a song and just... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it is. Say it's going to place in your yeah, ass yeah, now. It's yeah, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> and I so, mean, for me, like, some of the mystique, you know, and I, this is probably, like, you know, just a caveman thing. It's probably much better to have the selection and be able to whatever, but I remember the first Danzig album. Like, that came out, but you couldn't get it anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if they did that on purpose or whatever, but we would, like, go to the record store, you know, try and order it, and it's just, like, you couldn't get it like they had one video of the video for Twisted Kane came out on Headbangers Ball but then you couldn't get the album and it made everyone want it so much that it you know was it just like a limited run I, no I don't think so it was a major label album it was on like you know Geffen or whatever Deaf American I, I have no idea why we couldn't get it, but you could. Wow. You know, I yeah. wonder if it was like a distributor not wanting to. I mean, but you could get Slayer though. You could get. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's so interesting. Maybe yeah, they just weird. didn't want to commit to like a big run. Maybe, first. but it's weird because it's like the singer from the Misfits. You know, so, you would think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's a different time. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. But just that mystique of not being able, not having the immediate gratification of something. Yeah. Yeah. So then what about you with um, that profound experience as a kid? Like when you, was it the Guns N' Roses? I was, uh, yeah, I think so. That so you, and like starting to go to see shows, you know, like the second show I ever saw was Guns N' Roses opening for Aerosmith at the fairgrounds in like 1987. And I, I still hadn't hit my growth spurt. I was still like 5'3 and couldn't see over everyone. And I was just like, 
this is amazing, you know, like wow. uh, this is such a crazy world, you know. And did they have like pyrotechnics then? No, I mean Guns N' Roses, just... they like got big so quick. So they only had like a 40, 35 minute, 40, 40 minute slot opening for Aerosmith. Oh, but wow. they were like much bigger than, you know, like. At that point. Yeah, like they blew up so quick that they were, you know, they were on this tour and they had to be there. But they should have been, you know, headlining their own, you know, things. So then, like, with the mystique of, like, not hearing the groups that you, you know, you read about and you heard about uh, and you saw T-shirts on TV. Exactly, yeah. Like, when you actually finally got the record and you put it on, like, what was that experience? Was it, were you I mean, it depends on the band. Like, I would know. It depends on the band. Like, I remember the first time we, like, me and my friend Carl Carlo sitting in, in his room the first time we put in South of Heaven by Slayer and just that opening riff of that song was just like, what the hell is this? You know, like, like and I'm going to, I'll remember that for the, for the rest of my life. That's you know? awesome. Yeah. It's like, you got such a good memory too. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That always amazes me. But that, yeah, just that, that Slayer album and just like sitting there looking at the cassette tape, the cover on that with the skulls and the, you know, the madness and just like, what the, you know, <laughs> this, you're so young. You're like, oh, is this going to make me start worshiping the devil? <laughs> right. And it did, but you know. <laughs> best ways yeah it doesn't seem like such a big deal now (laughs) that's cool yeah i mean i guess i had a hard time with music growing up because it was like i kind of just got what was trickled down to me i didn't really understand the concept of like being able to go even buy yeah that must be interesting with older older siblings because you're kind of to an extent you know subjected to what you know you maybe have a window into stuff that i didn't have necessarily or whatever you know you have someone to like curate what you're going to listen to yeah yeah but, but a lot of bad music like yeah, i grew up <laughs> there, there's so many things about my life that like i feel like weren't in my control until yeah. i was like out of my parents house and like gone you know it's like and then i start to open my mind up to like like what th- kind of stuff were your older brothers listening to oh man i mean well okay growing up we, it sounds silly, but we listened to a lot of like Frank Sinatra and uh-huh. uh, and Louis Prima, like Italian kind of that singers. Sound surprising that kind at of all. Stuff. That's like that's like Italian folk music. Yeah, and, oh, I, and I loved listening America. to that. <laughs> uh, and then, to be honest, I mean, when I was younger and learning how to play the drums and stuff, I got involved in a uh, like a local theater group that was called the Spotlight Theater, and they would do musicals and so i got to actually play the music so that was one way that i would learn was like by just putting my headphones on and learning the album and just playing it over and over again and then i before i knew it i was playing show tunes and stuff uh so that kind of music kind of got me but then of course later in life i'm like oh my god like you know just my opinion i'm not crazy about show tunes i Uh, love music spoiler alert i mean you know i i it's uh yeah uh, we can get into that topic later but um (laughs) musicals are great and they're they're yeah i just saw newsies at the woodstock playhouse oh cool that's a great musical nice it's all about the working man yeah yeah or the working child more appropriately (laughs) (laughs) so uh Let's see. What did you play music in high school at all? Yeah, we had we had a band. We do like basement shows. We, we we were so bad. Like people would be into it, you know. Like twenty twenty people would show up, and you know it was like a party. But we were just like we didn't. I don't. None, nobody really understood songwriting or song structure. You know, it was like a guitar player, a bass player, and a drummer that just like were and so we it would have behooven us to have learned some covers i think to kind of get a gist of it but we uh-huh. didn't we just like started writing original songs you know there were a lot of like our bass player was more like the lead player in the band <laughs> like i don't know it was, it was a little bit <laughs> do of you a have fiasco. any recordings of that stuff like is there not, not really john the clario from nada um we recorded our la- our second album with him. We recorded and both, our first but, album. Yeah, but when we were, while we were recording the <laughs> second one, the first show I ever played in my life was uh, 1992. The it was in Platakill, New York, at this weird like Mexican bar restaurant. It was like the Platakill uh, summer metal meltdown, <laughs> and we were we were the first band. We had to get dropped off there at like six in the morning because that was the only time we could find someone to drive us and like wait there till we played at noon. And we were, we were terrible. But John DeClario from Nada Studios, his band played after us. And they covered uh, Territory Pissing by Nirvana and We're Eagles There by Misfits. And we were like, 
these mur- musical virtuosos. <laughs> I think it's so good. Right. While we were recording our second album, he sh- he gave me video footage of that show. Wow. Oh, like, well, how do you? What kind of lunatic has this? What kind know? of camera was he using in 1992? I, I have, I have like, no idea. It must have been like giant a, VHS tape. Y- yeah, something cameras. like that. Yeah, it had to be. The battery only lasts like 30 minutes or something. And how do you, like, of all the things that he must have recorded, like, how is that the thing that he kept? You know, <laughs> right? it's like, it's, it's insane to me. But, yeah. And did he, how did he even find it if he was recording things like that? I mean, yeah, exactly. He must exactly. have, like, yeah. millions I of mean, records. I mean, I don't know if you, have you ever met John? He's, he's no, a, no, he's I a never pretty have. meticulous dude, so I guess yeah, that doesn't never, make that, I don't know. I never got to record it, not a NCM recorded there, but I, this, oh, actually, yeah. this upcoming NCM record that we're about to put out is the first record that I've ever recorded with Pete. Oh wow. And I've been playing with him for like eleven yeah, years really or something. Time, yeah. Twelve years. So yeah, I'm I'm excited about that. There's seventeen songs. Well actually I recorded all of the songs to a click track with no other tracks. Oh, I just wow. memorized yeah, yeah, all yeah, the songs. Yeah. yeah. Ran through seventeen songs nice. with all the clicks in, in my ear. We did that at um Dan Matthews studio from the Black Clouds. Oh, okay, yeah, right on. Yeah, and and that was in Jersey. And he, he since I think has renovated his studio. I know he renovated his house, but anyway, either way, we're recording it there. It's coming nice. out really good. It's cool. it's hopefully going to be out the end of this year, at some point. But um, so let's see. Then you uh, you had that profound experience as a kid. When yeah. you know, at the point in your life, were you older, or when did you have the other experience where you're like, "Wow, music has just been here for me. This is the thing that's like always consistent, and I can rely on." You know, I mean, I think that's coming to me as a much, much older. You know, I think I kind of used it as like a crutch or a shield without realizing it for most of my life. You know, like mm-hmm. you know, as as a drummer in like punk rock bands or whatever. I think you know. I never acknowledged, you know, how much I was using it as, you know, whatever, well, a, a tool to, uh, you know, emotionally understand or relate to things, you know. Yeah, well, what the beauty is now is that you get to you get to do that and know and and look back and with your memory, like that's yeah, yeah, yeah. so crazy. Is like you can literally look back to moments and be like, wow, like I understand that experience. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. and uh, and so maybe the drums were just the catalyst to you being able to have those experiences like to be able to guide you in where your life is yeah yeah absolutely up yeah. into this point yeah, yeah. and now you can write about it and i mean you write some really awesome stuff thank and, you uh, thank you so it's all attributed to guns and roses pretty much yeah. wow have you good. got to meet them ever guns and roses no yeah. no i haven't have you seen them was that the only time that was you the saw only time them I've was seen in... them yeah, yeah. wow and have you like? Did you try to ever go see them, or know that they were coming into town? Or was no, it just I mean their career was kind of weird because it was like they, you know, the Appetite for Destruction was whatever, you know, amazing album, and then they did that like double album, Use Your Illusion, and they became so big where it was like all these giant arena things. And I haven't been to like a lot of those like giant arena shows. That first show was at the Orange County Fairgrounds, which was like, you know, a huge venue, but still kind of intimate. Like general admission, you could kind of like you know wrestle your way up front if you were inclined to. Yeah. 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 Like cool. those big, like you know, Coliseum shows mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, like I think I saw it when I was younger, Pep, uh, ACDC at the uh, like what would be the Pepsi Arena now, and like that's kind of so weird because you're so far away. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. Hard, you're very removed from the experience. Was that Albany? That was in Albany. Yeah, yeah. yeah I so. mean, the year after this, this was a song that, that was in August, the Guns N' Roses show. The next spring, we went to the Mid Hudson Civic Center. Mm-hmm. And saw Anthrax, Exodus, and Halloween. It was like wow. the MTV Headbangers Ball Tour. Yeah, and that yeah. was like the first thrash metal show I was ever at. And that kind of changed, you know, like the even the Guns N' Roses after you start going to like smaller thrash metal shows. Yeah, kinda, yeah. Like a little bit ridiculous, you know. So what were they like in the area? And like where did you have to go? Did, we did go you... to the Chance a lot, you know, uh, like Testament and Overkill. All those thrash bands would like play the Chance often. Like when I was 15, you had to be 16 to get in. So I would use... Uh, Luis Hernandez's birth certificate, and I had it me- <laughs> I had everything on it memorized, which is ridiculous to try to do. I don't know. A birth certificate. Yeah, you had to be six. Some wow. of the shows you had to be sixteen to get into at the chance. Crazy. So, uh, cool. Well, I guess my I want to ask you guys both a question that you can answer, sort of, and that's kind of I don't have it planned out mentally, but the the idea is basically like. With music, as musicians, as creators, you know, we're, we're like drawing from and contributing to the collective uh, 
creativity pool and um, and consciousness in a way. And um, so, do you ever feel like um, that you have like power with that, or do you feel like it's your duty to uh, to kind of be the conduit for this creative? Uh, you know, expression and all that, or, or do you just kind of, I don't know, is it, what's your, like, I feel like I just don't really have a choice, like, playing music, it just kind of happens, Yeah. like, yeah. if I have free time, and, like, I see a guitar, I'm just gonna sit down and start doing it, I almost, like, I think it's the boss, yeah, right, the <laughs> boss, it is, it's like Mother Earth, kind of, in that way, yeah, I think if you're open to it, and, uh, willing to, uh, take part, it'll uh, work through you. Yeah. And that's what, you know, I have some songs that I've like worked really hard on and done draft after draft and really fine-tuned down, but really for the most part, the good ones, you know, it's just an idea and they're done in 20 minutes, you know, they like, and I don't think I have that much to do with them, <laughs> you know, yeah, they just yeah. come to me as if, you know. Yeah, oh, that's great. And then it's like, I've written songs where, they don't really make sense and I even say to people like yeah they don't really the lyrics don't make sense I just kind of like wrote some random stuff yeah. and then at some point later in my life of course it's like whoa like yeah, this is sense, profound yeah. it kind of yeah. makes perfect sense for this exact moment yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think Anthony Kiedis is still waiting for that moment when he's <laughs> <laughs> right so what about um, even music that you've listened to for so many years and then like maybe one day you have an experience. You ever have that experience where you're like, you've listened to a song a million times, and then one day you kind of you're able to apply it to something that happened in your life that's like, that makes it even more of like, uh, important to you. Or I don't know, have you had that experience before? I feel like that happens all the time. I can't think of any particular instances with it, but you know, anytime you're going through like uh, changes or you know you're changing your life around, I feel like you know listening to stuff that you've heard, you know, you find new meanings and things, you know. I can't think of a specific good example, but I feel like anything that I listened to in like high school or like middle school uh -huh. or whatever, if I go back and listen to it now, it's like, oh yeah, I because I mean, you know, as a kid, you don't know about these things that people are singing about. Yeah, you know, like you just don't actually understand yeah. the concepts, and then you get to a point where it's like you've had more life experience. It's like, oh, well, that's what that song's about. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah totally. It's like, why was everybody so pissed off at Gigi Allen? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what's the one uh, that that runaway train uh, runaway train song? Yeah. Which song is that? They, I don't know. It's some like runaway popular ninety song. Yeah. yeah. Soul so, like, Asylum. Soul Asylum. Okay. And it's like, <laughs> you know, just familiar with it from being younger, yeah. and then like randomly hearing it one day, it's like, that song's about heroin. Yeah. yeah, yeah oh so. shoot. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the singer was dating Winona Ryder for a while, right around that time. Wow. Well, then that brings me to what music are you guys listening to now? Like, what's your favorite shit that you put on? I've been obsessed with the 1991, 92 Rancid album, Let's Go. I've cool, been right. going through that and learning, you know, with your bass player, Matt Goldpaw, <laughs> messing around with, like, maybe trying to cover that album but it's a 23 song album uh -huh. so that's a lot of lyrics to and do you feel like that will like directly influence your songwriting or your oh, playing definitely. Or I think yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely cool yeah. so do you try to like kind of character act in that way with your songwriting too where it's like you you kind of write songs in the vein of like somebody not, some other no thing not really necessarily but i feel like learning covers you know you learn some tom waits covers and you just see how he puts together a yeah, song yeah. and that gives you like ideas as far oh i didn't know i didn't realize i could do that you know i don't have a lot of like training or you know i'm not i don't know a lot of music theory so like learning some cover stuff and just seeing how other people put things together or what yeah, you know that's what soul flow is all about that's what yeah. i was talking about it's like you don't really know you just kind of go for it yeah, and just like the, that Rancid album, seeing the, like the back and forth call and response vocal, like how you make this song about this serious topic, like so hooky and so catchy, you know? And then Definitely. you can have these verses that are really, you know, serious and, you know, tell a story underneath it. But then the, these choruses that just like, make everything pop off so big yeah definitely which is like i totally hear that in some of your music too both of you guys i mean i hear they catch my you know i just get it in like brown liquor uh what was i just singing earlier 
I can't remember off the top of my head, but I, I just have been like, your songs have been in my head and, and I've been listening to other things too. So that's like, that's, it's cool. I really enjoy your music. And, uh, I want to... What about you, Mal? What are you listening to? What's your favorite thing? Oh, lately? Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like I might be coming a little late to this party, but uh, Amy Winehouse? All right. I still, oh, haven't, I still haven't really so delved in. Um, I know, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I feel like I didn't really give it much time of day when it was out, but that, that's... Uh, what is it? Back to Black? That is an album and a half. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And she had a really short career, too. She had a super like, short career. Yeah. Um, besides that, I don't know. I, I always listen to a lot of like older, more traditional stuff. Uh, Buell Kazee is, is one of my favorites. That's like a little bit of a less-known banjo player from back in the day. But he's a, a fantastic claw hammer player. Cool. And then uh, like newer stuff, uh, I've been listening to a lot of Sarah Shook. She's cool. a uh, up and coming country star. Yeah, yeah. Um, that and uh, like the rock bottom string band and Gary Lindsay, Black Eyed Vermillion. Cool. It's been dominating my uh, Spotify play lately. It's yeah, and so like, what friends bands for both of you guys? What friends bands are like ones that that you will like put in? You know, like what what? I mean, music? well, he just said yeah, All Gary those, Lindsay and yeah, rock bottom yeah, string yeah. band and Sarah Shook to an extent. Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, the goddamn gallows. Yeah, those oh, yeah. Always totally. Blow me away. Um, and it's it's so crazy because like all of this music has just started to come into my periphery just because I've been playing with the arc tones. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's incredible. I'm like falling in love with it. It's it's amazing. And and, and everybody, to me, I mean, coming into it, everything seems so profound. I don't know why, but like when I hear somebody's lyrics and like this writing style, they've been doing this for 15 years or so, you know, and they're like touring the world. And, and when you, you see them elsewhere, it's like, everybody knows them. I mean, that's especially the goddamn gallows. It's like, is that, yeah, you know, I mean, no, I mean, the gallows are pretty big, but you know, everyone has, you know, they've been touring through this circuit for so long that, you know, people, you know, that you're not like in a green room somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And that was my experience with heavy rebel. I I talked about heavy rebel in the intro, uh, that I did the first episode and, uh, a little bit just saying that there's, it was my first experience with it and I got to play with you guys and, uh, and, yeah, no, I mean that was that was really awesome, and it was even cooler that like you guys had such a good response, and people were singing along with your music, and like, how many times have you played Heavy Rebel? I think four years. What was the last four years? It's wow. the fourth or the fifth, something like that. All right, yeah. Wow, One that's so cool. I didn't even know that. Yeah. So, uh, how have you experienced it changing at all? Like, I that? mean, the first year we did it, we had Dave Panulo playing bass. That was like right after I started doing the bass drum. Uh-huh. So, like, we were, before that, we were just a string band. Like, literally a week, I think, before that is when we started with the bass drum. It was, like, very close. So, that was kind of new. How many um, songs did you have? We had a bunch. I mean, was the, I don't think the first album was recorded yet. Maybe it was even. I'm not sure. But we had a, we had a bunch of songs, I mean. Yeah, because the first time I saw you, you were, you were already playing the bass drum. Yeah, I don't think yeah, you had yeah. a bass player, though. I think it was that, sl- oh, or the, maybe the you first, did. The first album must have not, yeah, because the first album doesn't have any bass drum on it. So yeah, th- yeah. that was. Yeah. So we definitely had the first album out. I'm pretty time we played Heavy Rebel. sure I saw you at Snugs. Yeah. The first time, and I was really impressed because I never heard you play guitar. I didn't even know you you played guitar, and uh, try to. Yeah, yeah, me too. That's how it is. <laughs> We're drummers. What can we do? Exactly. Well, if you guys want to play some songs, I I would love to like, cool. yeah, have that go for everybody. Let's hear it. What are you going to play first? Loaded gun. All right. Let's hear it. It's a song about the apocalypse. All right. One, two, three. And I pray. In the end, I'll find just a little slice of heaven or a place. A little less like hell that I can call mine. Never have to run until that day. I'm living by the loaded gun. It's been sixteen hundred miles. It's been sixteen hundred miles since I first left my home. Gotta keep on moving, fight that weakness in my bones. I've seen the fate of those. 
trigger Don't forget that they ain't men It's every night and it's every day I hang my head and pray And I pray In the end I'll find Just a little slice of heaven Or a place that's just a little S like hell That I can call and I might have a minor heat stroke over here. Some, <laughs> some water in me. Yeah, it's pretty hot in here. Uh, you should plug your uh, dog walking business. No reason not to. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, you know, if anyone needs a dog walking, live leash, I'm on Facebook. Walking dogs, that's where the heat stroke comes from, walking around today in the 95-degree weather with the dogs. All right, we'll do a song about waking up in your underwear in a lobby in Johnson City, Tennessee. Which is a story I've heard about. True story. <laughs> One, two, three. Oh. Strange kind of feeling in the head of night I'm almost crazy and it don't feel right We're Going out drinking, let's all the boots up tight Cold nights like these tend to get bizarre We might get to see the inside of a police car Hold on, mama's gonna get a little word tonight Well, this whiskey's tasting all smooth to me Hell with one shot, let's make it three Tender got an evil look in her eye Well, it don't make sense to try and fight the gods But on nights like these, I like our rods Hold on, mama's gonna get a little weird tonight Hold on, mama's gonna get a little weird tonight
Some nights are made for drinking hard Waking up naked in the neighbor's yard Some nights it just ain't easy to be good Well, it's gonna get blurry and I can't sleep And we might wind up in another state At that point, we just along for the ride Well, I can be no cat, we gonna moan away Set aside five hundred dollars for bail Hold on, Mom, it's gonna get a little weird tonight Hold on, Mom, it's gonna get a little weird tonight
song I've ever written. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got whiskey in my bottle, I've got whiskey in my brain, and that damn brown liquor, it's been driving me insane. Takes away my sorrow, it takes away my pain, when that damn brown liquor is just flowing in my veins. And from this tried lying, I tried stealing, though my conscience made me quit. Then I had a thought, I'd try my hand at politics. Gave me the same feeling as lying and stealing. Picked up a banjo and I emptied out that bottle. Gonna try to make a dollar while you listen to me holler. I got whiskey in my bottle, whiskey in my brain. And that damn brown liquor, it's been driving me insane. Sorrow. 
gave a girl my heart. Loving her was easy, so of course I fell apart. I tried loving freely with whatever lady pleased me. I started thinking about social diseases. I poured my love into an empty bottle. Ain't got time for mama when I'm trying to make a dollar. Whiskey in my bottle, I've got whiskey in my brain. The damn brown liquor, it's been driving me insane. Takes away my sorrow, it takes away my pain. When that damn brown liquor is flowing through my veins. Thank you for joining me. I'm glad you made it all the way through. Check out Red Necromancer. They're on Facebook. 
And they're also at rednecromancerband.com. Check them out. I think you uh, would really like the rest of their albums if you've made it through this far. And they're going to be playing a show at the Anchor in Kingston with the Rock Bottom String Band on August 23rd. So if you're in the area, check them out. Otherwise, go to their website. Check them out there. Again, thank you so much for joining me. This is like a huge deal for me, and it's going to just keep getting better and better. And please go to the Facebook page and like it and comment. Let me know what you think. Also, um, if you're on anchor.fm, you can leave me a voicemail. You can leave me a voice message, and I'll get it directly. All right, guys, thanks a lot. Stay tuned. Stay true. I love you.